0: As you grab your copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn your attention to the Gospel according to John. John, the 19th chapter, as we continue in our series, The Words in Red, the seven last sayings of our Savior Jesus Christ from the cross. If you've been with us at the start of this journey through the Word of God, we've been there at the scene of Calvary. And together, we've been really looking into the words that our Savior Jesus Christ spoke while they're being crucified on the cross. His first saying was in intercession for those who were around and for you and I when he declared unto his Father, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then that second word, if you were with us on last week, we looked into a criminal who was on the side of Jesus, and Jesus responded to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, as we continue this journey, again, our attention goes to the gospel according to John, that 19th chapter, where we look at the third saying from the cross, there beginning at the 25th verse for our context, the word of God declares from John 19 and 25, but standing by the cross of Jesus, were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, Behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Look again at the words of our Savior, for he turns attention to his mother. In cast, he says, Woman, behold your son. Son, he tells John, behold your mother. These are carrying words from the cross of Christ. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? For here we are, Father, humbling ourselves before you under your mighty hand, asking that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes, that we might see the truth of your word. Dear God, that your word might then therefore produce fruit in our lives, that we might trust you even more and learn how to love each other better. That our lives be lived out for your glory That somebody in this place will know of your love and discover the truth of your word and say yes to you, being their Lord and Savior. And that all of us might grow further in our relationship with you. That we might draw others to you. Because indeed, you are so, so good. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It was August, last year, August 19th where I gathered in the chapel and laid to rest China Agata, the young son of, of Gail and Al, Glory and Alan. Um, as I laid him to rest and I officiated over the service, his mother and father sat there in the front of the chapel, grieved no doubt, Because their 33-year-old son had transitioned from this life into the next. Cassie, then something happened as uh, we would normally and traditionally do. And at the close of the ceremony, we'd make our way with the family to the graveside and we'd have a graveside service. But during the procession, uh, as we were trying to leave Mama Gwen from that service time, I noticed that... Glory and Al stayed seated. They, they didn't move. They didn't get up to go with everyone else. And striving to be pastoral, Fred, I, I go up to them and I, I, I shake their hands and I hug them and I tell them I'm praying for them, Isaiah. And then I ask, are you, are you coming to the graveside service? And they said, Pastor, in our culture, parents don't bury their children. It's not right for parents to bury their children. Can you see her there at the foot of the cross? You slip your sandals on and you stand next to her. Her being the mother of Christ, Mary, that teenage mother who bore him and had him in Bethlehem, raised him in Nazareth, can you, can you see her? the one commissioned by God to carry the Savior of the world. Now she is seeing her son, her firstborn son, her son who was immaculately conceived dying on a cross like a common criminal. Her son, who she knows from heaven was hailed as a hero, now is hurting as he has been beaten, as he has been scourged. And now his body is is bloodied, and it's a a horrific, gruesome mess. Can you stand there with her? She's looking up, and wow, she's looking up as, as The thorns are pressed upon his head and and sweat and blood are now entering into his eyes and his eyes are burning along with the fire through his limbs because of the crucifixion. Can, Can you see him now, Jesus, our Savior, looking back at her? It's interesting how the text opens. If you're if you look closely, and as students of the Word of God, we're, we're actually in the Gospel of John on Wednesday nights as we're, we're studying in-depthly this, this Word that God has given. And, and on Wednesday nights at 11 a.m. and at 6.45 p.m., we're, we're dissecting this Word. I invite you to come, but I want you right now to look closely. Look closely, again, at the text, because when you look at the text, the text starts with a conjunction. Fred, I know it's, it's not uh, usual for us to start a text off with just a conjunction, but there it is. Do you see it? It says, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister and the wife of Clopas, Mary and Mary Magdalene. They're standing by the cross of Jesus. But it starts with a conjunction. It says, but standing. Which then directs our attention to the reality that there are others who are around the cross, Anthony, But John says they weren't standing by the cross. They they were around the cross because around the cross, if you read just previously before this point, you realize that the soldiers were there around the cross. There were critics around the cross. There were condemners around the cross, but they weren't standing by the cross. And yet there are those who stood by the cross, the cross being symbolic of the love poured out to all humanity through Christ Jesus' sacrificial death for each and every one of us, where he became sin so that we might become saved. He did it because he loved us, and yet there are only a handful. Do you see them there? Standing. Standing. They're the critics, and there are those in the crowd who are the condemners, but but I really don't want us to focus on them, and I trust that you are not a part of that crowd, you know, the crowd of the critics, the one that come in cynical, they don't believe everything the Word of God says, and they're just always questioning uh, the veracity of Scripture and the reality of God. There comes a time in your life, you got to make your own decision, because no one can make it for you, that if God be for us, you know, no one can be against us. Maybe you could be like Joshua says, as for me and my house, we are... I don't care what nobody else do in this place, but we are going to serve the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they're the critics that are out there, and they're, they're a part of the crowd, of the, the condemners. Uh, and then they're the crooks. Uh, that's what I call the soldiers. They're right there at the cross. They're, they're bordering for his garments. Yeah, they're the crooks. They're trying to get from Jesus, something from Jesus, but they're not committed to Jesus. Maybe you didn't catch that. Let me press play and re- rewind, and then press play. Uh, they they want to get something from Jesus. They want to receive from Jesus, but they're not willing to give themselves to Jesus. All right. Yeah, they're there too. But then there's this, this cohort of Christian followers, there's, uh, there's this small band um, of, of a handful of disciples. They're standing, John says by the cross. I like what King James says, they're standing near the cross. This is, a sp- is spoken of because of proximity, but it's also shown us beyond proximity of intimacy, that they are by the cross of Jesus. That when everyone else turned away and deserted Christ, they stood there. I, I have some problems in here. Randy, my problem is I want to ask some folk, uh, where's everybody else? Where are the ones that Jesus fed with the few fish and five loaves of bread? Where are they? Where where are the ones that Jesus, um, the blinded eyes, and he he opened up? Where where is he? Where's the the widow of Nain that Jesus touched uh, her child and the child came back to life? Where where is she? Where where are the other apostles? Mm. But they're not with the committed. In this context. Hmm? Because when you stand by the cross of Jesus, it you your standing there is not consequential on the commitment of anybody else but for yourself. You you stand. By the cross. When you know what Jesus has done in your life, then it really doesn't make. You don't need anybody else to prop you, prop you up, or, or cause you to be a. You know, to, to praise God. You know what God has already done for you. Then you don't need anyone else to look around. You can say, you know what? I'm standing by the cross. If a society doesn't stand by the cross, if my friends don't stand by the cross, if no one else stands by the cross, I'm still standing by the cross of Jesus. But, but, but only the committed can say this. And there they are. They're standing with her. There is Mary. And, and she's, she's not alone. And She's grappling with this crisis. The crisis of seeing one who lives a life of love. Being tortured and executed. As though he's deserving of hate. She's, she's there, but, but she's, she's not alone. Now that's the Mary, uh, Mary, uh, the mother of Christ, who is a true mother. You know a true mother, because a mother, the true mother, is the one that stays committed even in the crisis. You know a true mother, one that never gives up on her children. A a true mother, the one that stays there when it's good and when it's not good. A, A true mother, when people accuse her child, and yet she stands for her son. A true mother standing by the cross. She's not standing by herself, though. She's, she, she's there, Wylene, uh, with some others because the text says she's there with her sister. Her sister, as we know from Matthew and Mark, is Salome. Salome is her sister, and there her sister is standing with her, Susan. I, I love this because it shows that when you're going through a crisis, there ought to be some people who were able to stand with you, committed to you, and committed to your Christ as you're going through a crisis. You don't want just anybody. I would say Lottie Dottie and anybody right there, but I just want to say, that you don't want just anybody standing with you. You want people who know Christ for themselves to stand with you when you're going through your crisis. There, 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 is, there is Salome, she's there, and, and, and then there is um, Mary, the wife of Clopas, who scholars believe this is Joseph's sister, so this is Mary's sister-in-law, she's standing right there with her, and then there's Mary Magdalene, you know Mary Magdalene, don't you? She's from Magdalene, she's the one that Jesus delivered her from seven demons, and Christ said, uh, those who are forgiven of much will love much. Those who stand by the cross are those who love God much, so they're, they're standing by the cross. Philosopher, uh, psychologist, Professor Lee, um, Robert Wick. Robert Wick and his his work, *Bounce: How to Live the Resilient Life*, says that everyone, if you want to live a resilient life, you ought to have at least four kinds of friends. He says you have at least four kinds of friends. He says the first kind of friend you should have is that of a shepherd, and the shepherd is the one, not prophet, I should say. The prophet is the one that sees what you can be, and then they they encourage you to be what they know you can be. That's that's the prophet. Then he says uh, you need a cheerleader in your life. You need somebody who's always there to encourage you, Caleb. Now, when, when things are going good, they're there to encourage you, and they're there. To Lift you up when things are going bad. That's that's the cheerleader. But then he said, you need the harasser. Look around. They might be with you right now. He said, you need the harasser. The harasser is not negative. It's really not negative. That person that always finds that silver lining, that person that always says, yeah, there's still some good out there, that person that always has something to smile about, uh, that's the harasser in your life. He said, then you need the guides. And the guides are the ones who examine your life every day, hold you accountable, and they're the ones who say, "Um, you know, you ought not do that. That's not true to you. You ought to be true to your character. And they're the ones in your life that help to guide you. Four kinds of friends. Now, truly, we don't know the function of all these, these four women in the text. But what we do know is that they're faithful to be there. And what I'm helping you understand is that when you're going through a crisis, there's a certain kind of friend you want because all four of them. We're committed to being with Jesus. And if we're going to make it as believers and grow in our relationship with Christ, we need those kinds of friends who are committed to being with Jesus. Because here's the reality. If somebody is not helping you get closer to Jesus, then they're distancing you from Jesus. If they're not helping you to be closer to Jesus, they're not from Jesus. And Jesus reserves the right to define and redefine the relationships in our lives. I'm in the text, y'all. I'm in text. Because the truth is, is that Jesus cares. Even on the cross, he, he cares. He cares about what we need and whom we need. Go ahead and turn to somebody right quick and just tell them, Jesus cares. He cares about you. We see that on the cross as he's dying for each and every one of us. He cares about you, but he also cares about who he sends to you. And the question is whether or not we're going to trust God enough to allow him to edit some of our associates. And make room for the ones that he has called to be commissioned in our lives. Because don't miss this. Don't get this twisted. Uh, The devil has commissioned some folks to be in your life too. They're called distractions. And anytime you're with them, if you can't focus on the cross, then that 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 friend that you call a friend uh, is not really a friend from God. It may be a distraction in your life. Don't don't look at nobody right now. Okay, just 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 stay on the cross. And so there they are with with Mary, faithfully standing in the crisis. And Jesus draws those who are chosen to be in your life. And there are those who are committed to standing by the cross. We ought to trust Jesus to be able to edit the relationships of our lives. We, we, ought, we ought to trust him. Because 1 John, John, the first chapter, fourth verse tells us that in Jesus was life. And the light of men. We ought to trust Jesus with our lives and the associates that are in our lives. Why? Because John 6 and 48, he's, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Listen to me. If you want to know how to live the way God has purposed and intended for you to live, you want to stand by the cross of Christ because only Jesus can show you how to truly live the life that God wants you to live. I'm in John 14, 6 now, where he tells Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Oh, that didn't get you? Uh-uh, I wanted to help you understand this. Well, John 10.10 said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you want to know how to live life, stand by the cross of Christ. And do you see him there? He's hanging on the cross. And, and his eyes are, are swollen from abuse. Yet he's peering through swollen eyes and, and stinging um, eyes, and he's, he's the Bible says, and Jesus saw. I love this text. He, but now he saw his mother. In his condition, he was not so self-absorbed in his suffering that he wouldn't see his mother. Check this out. He's being crucified on the cross and yet he still takes time pause from dying to see his mother. I don't know who I'm talking to in this place, but some of you are just too a little too busy because if Jesus can do all that while he's dying on the cross, I think some of y'all in here need to call your mother. I think somebody in here need to connect with your mother. I, I think if Jesus is able to do all that while he's dying on the cross, then we too ought to See our mothers. Some of you right now, you're going to leave here and go straight to your mama's house. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. For what he's doing in his context is he's fulfilling, he's fulfilling the command that declares for all of us to honor our father and our mother. He's honoring his mother. And I hear some of you. I understand because uh, you say, well, my mother, my mother wasn't like Mary. <laughs> my mother's name is Mary. Uh, mom, uh, check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to edit this, okay? Mom. Um, because uh, my mother's name is Mary. Uh, uh, but, but, but I understand. But here's the text. The reality is, is that whomever your mother is, God chose her to be your mother. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So when you honor God's choice, right. you're honoring God. Yeah. 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 It never said that you honor them if they are honorable. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that we ought to honor them. And here is Mary She's at the foot of the cross. Jesus sees her. He, he sees her. That, that tells us something. Because when you stand by the cross, Jesus sees you, He sees what you're going through. He sees her in the crisis. He sees her in the struggle. They had hoped that the the Redeemer had come. They had put all their trust in Jesus. And they don't know the end of the story. Some of you in here, you know the end of the story. You know then that he gives his life, he dies, and then he's buried. And in three days, he resurrected all power in his hand. You know the end of the story. But in this context, at this moment, at this time, they don't know. All they do is see the one they trusted being hung up on a tree. And it's a tragedy, it's a travesty of justice. Ah, but look, Jesus speaks to her. And look what he says, he, he muscles up the strength and he says, woman. I know some of you right there, you're like, man, if I call my mom a woman? <laughs> mm. I would take 10 steps back and then run. I mean, if I call my woman, no, 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 no. He calls his mother woman, but you have to understand in this context, in the original language of the Greek, he's really honoring his mother. This is more like medir or uh, a term of endearment. He's calling his mother woman. Then he turns to her and he says, behold, realize, look at this. This is new now. Behold, open your eyes. I'm doing something new. Behold your son. And then he turns to the disciple whom he loved and he says, behold your son mother. I really check the context of text because before they got to the cross, they may have been friends and associates, but look at how Jesus redefines their relationship, and he points out uh, the position that he's putting them in, and he looks at his mother, and he knows his mother needs physical support Uh, While he is going away, because the responsibility of the oldest son in this context was to take care of their mother. If something happened to the father, they would take care of their mother. And we believe at this point in Jesus' ministry, Joseph is already dead. And so it falls upon Jesus to take care of his mother. And check this out. His brothers, his sisters are nowhere around the cross. And he entrusts his mother to somebody he knows who is faithful enough to follow him even to death. Uh, he entrusts him, he trusts him to John, and he says, behold your mother. Uh, it's interesting here, because uh, when you look at the text, uh, the text says that uh, from that very hour, John took her into his house. Uh, I want you to check something out, because when you stand by the cross of Jesus, you receive clarity about who Christ has placed in your relationship. You know when you know you have friends? When you're going through a crisis. And there she is. She's going through a crisis and her friends show up. But then also when you're standing by the cross of Jesus, you receive confirmation of his concern. Because here Jesus looks at her and expresses concern for his mother and also concern for John. But when you stand by the cross long enough, not only do you see that Jesus is concerned about you, not only you see that Jesus knows what you need and who you need in your life, but you realize that Jesus will commission you to do a work for him. It's right there in text, because he tells John, behold your mother. This is, con- this is it's interesting here when you look at it, because John really, we understand, is the youngest disciples of all the disciples. And, God, and Christ knows that there has to be some mutual benefit for Mary to be in his house and for John to be with Mary. Come on, I'm trying to help you understand something here. There has to be some mutual benefit here. This is not just uh, him being a blessing to Mary, but actually Mary being in his house is a blessing to him. Come here, I'm just trying to help you understand something because I know it. Contextually, when you look at it, you say, wait a minute, wait, 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 because Mary right here in the text, who who is um who who's Mary, uh, the, the wife of is really is Mary who's connected to Zebedee, and so she is the wife of Zebedee, which means then she is the mother of John. Wait, wait, his biological mother is right there at the foot of the cross with him. His biological mother is following Jesus uh, just as he is, his biological mother is there to support Mary in her time of crisis, and yet Jesus turned to him and turned to his own mother and says, behold your mother. So it's not that John needed a mother. Hmm. But God has a way of assigning people to be in your life, who may not be biologically connected to you, but will be a blessing to you. Notice the text. Because it says from that very hour, Fred, he brought him into his house. Don't miss this because something was in, that was missing in John's house that Mary could fulfill for him. There's some guidance that was missing in John's house that Mary could fulfill for him. There, there's some blessing that Mary could bring in John's house that John didn't have. Come here, saints of God. I'm just trying to help you understand something. In here we praise God. But when you go back home, is he still there? Right, mm-hmm. Ah, I got to let you go. I'm, uh, uh, I'm about to jump off the stage because I'm getting so excited. huh? But don't miss this. Don't miss this. I really want you to get this. So, so, so Christ redefines the relationship, and there's immediate obedience on, on the part of those who follow him. Come here, saints of God, because something happens in this text. Because if Mary is going to go to John's house, that means Mary had to make some adjustments so she can move. Mm, mm. All right? If Mary had to be in John's house, that means John had to make some adjustments to make some room. Okay, all right, here it is. Some of us want God to move, but we don't make any adjustments. Some of us want to want to feel God move and see God move, but, but we want things to stay the same way they always are. are. Baby, let me help you understand something, that when you stand by the cross, Christ has the reserve ability to change some things, reorder some things, rearrange some things in your life, and if you really want to be used by God, you ought to just open up your hands and say, God, whatever you want, you do whatever you want. Move what you got to move, replace what you got to replace, adjust what you got to adjust. I'm your servant, I trust you more than I trust anybody else. God, do what you have to do. If you got to push them out of my life, push them out of my life. If you got to erase them from my phone, erase them from my phone, but give me the commitment to do what you called me to do. And right now, Christ wants to reorder some things in our lives. See, some of us, we want to come to the cross, but we want to come to the cross only for what we can get from the cross. That's like those crooks at the foot of the cross, just trying to receive and get with no responsibility. But those who give their lives to Jesus Christ, not only will he call you, not only will he give you clarity in your crisis, but hear me well, he's going to commission you because there's no pain that happens in the believer's life that doesn't have a purpose sent by God. Oh, come here, let me help you understand something. Uh, If you turn in your Bibles, Uh, to 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. The Bible declares in 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties, all your cares on him, because he, Jesus, our Savior, cares for you. You heard me say before, that we have many anxieties in this life. We have many cares in this life. But Christ has one care, and that is for you. And then when he comes in your life, he comes to comfort you. He comes to bring clarity to you. He comes to bring the right people around you so that you can grow in your relationship with him. I had time here. I'll tell you that's why we support life groups because we need godly people around our lives to help us grow in our relationship with Christ, because the truth is you can't do it by yourself. You ought to know somebody right now, they've been trying to do it by themselves. I I can follow God, I don't have to go to church. No, that actually is a lie. The Bible said that you ought not forsake the assembly of yourselves, that something happens when the saints of God get together and live life together, because that means then we can support each other. The Bible says that when one sorrow, we all sorrow. When one rejoices, we all rejoices. That's why the church is so important in your life, that you be a part of the church not just an attender, but a member. I don't have time to work with that thing, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you here because you grow in fellowship with one another. But then when he calls you to grow, as you're standing by the cross, he's going to commission you because in that moment, John takes Mary and he's a blessing to her. With all that you've gone through in this life, who are you being a blessing to? With all the crises that God has gotten you out of and healed you from, all the hurts God has healed you from, who are you now using your testimony to help Help transform someone else's life. With, with all that God, some of you right now, you, if you're honest about it, you say, I don't look like what I've been through. You, you, If you knew the stuff I've been through when I was in my 20s or when I was in my 30s or when I was in my teens, if you just knew what I've been through and you see me right now, listen, I'm just a testimony of what God can do. But here's the thing. Many of us are selfish with our testimony, so we don't want to show the good part. We don't tell people the crisis that we went through. And yet God is saying, no, I want you to share with people everything you've gone through so that they can know what I can do for. For them, because I can do for them the same thing I did for you. All right, I'm, I'm done with this in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, third verse. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. Somebody say, All our afflictions. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So, when we gather in this place and the Word of God speaks to you, When you gather in this place and the Spirit of God is is letting you know that you can have confidence because God is with you, he's not going to forsake you, he's not going to leave you. God doesn't want you just to hold that for your own precious diary, he wants you to deliver that word to somebody else who needs to know that God is still with them, that God can deliver them, that God is not going to forsake them. But again, that's only those who are standing by the cross those who are willing to commit their lives to Him and doing what He's called them to do. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.